Hello, my brothers and sisters and Bereans. I'm so um, glad to get this out to you guys. We are on Revelation 12 and 13, and I'm going to be honest, I've had a couple chances to record this, and I haven't because I feel like I am completely wrecked. So for some of y'all who know me personally, um, you know, I tend to go down rabbit holes and um, I, I genuinely like going down rabbit holes, even though I necessarily like all these conspiracies. I don't necessarily agree with them all, but I find them all very fascinating. Well, on Wednesday, I came in and I taught Revelation 12 to 13 to my Wednesday night class, and I felt really good about it. Um, I felt like I kind of had a little bit of a grasp on the mark of the beast. It's one of those things like false religion. What is the false religion that's going to be? Is it going to be um, Islam? Is it going to be... Christianity? Is it going to be um, Judaism? Is it going to be a mixture of all of it? And, um, or is it going to be like, it's, it sounds like it's going to be like Satanism, but I'm, I'm wrestling with myself with it because I'm like, how can people like genuinely, like, I feel like they're going to be deceived and they're going to be thinking that they're worshiping God and, but it's not God, it's Satan. And that's how people are deceived. But anyways, I fell down this rabbit hole with Freemasonry. And I um, have been so horrified and appalled that I first off never saw like the truth behind Freemasonry. And also that like, it's just wrecked me. It's wrecked the way that I see the Bible now. It's wrecked the way that I interpret idolatry and the way that I interpret the first beast and the second beast and the mark of the beast. Everything's kind of changed. So I encourage you right now, there is a, um, there's a five hour documentary that's on YouTube right now. I don't know if it will be up for long, but it's called X Factor Winner Reveals Secret um, Religion. Um, I don't know if like I'm searching it right now and I'm not seeing it, but I think it's still on there. His name is Atelian Childs. Anyways, he was in the Freemasonry and he's, he reveals all this stuff and how it's tied into Hollywood and how it's been, it's been going on throughout the ages. It's not something new and it's what their, their practices aren't anything new. And it's actually been going on since before Jesus came. And so it, anyways, it changes the way you interpret scripture. If you know some of the things that they practice, you see that it's all connected. And so I want to start with that and saying that this is what I've been wrestling with. I'm just going to be honest with you and transparent with you that these are some of the things that I've been wrestling with lately. And, um, I want to be able to interpret the scripture to the best of my ability, but you can't interpret it once you realize, once God brings about new revelations to you that you did not know and were not aware of before, you can't help but, you know, be wrecked a little bit for a little while. So I'm just going to start out in prayer real quick before I start, because I feel like, I feel like I need it. So, um, God, I just, um, ask for you to feel your presence in this podcast, God, and just feel your presence with those who are listening, God, and just give us ears to hear. So many times our eyes deceive us, what we see, and that's what Satan wants. He, he, Satan speaks to our eyes, God, but you speak to our ear, you speak to our mind, God, and I just ask that you feel your presence through what we hear today on this podcast and help us to get a better understanding and grasp of what's happening in Revelation 12 and 13 and help us to really see the darkness behind everything that's happening. And we say, ask all this in the name of Yeshua, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So Revelation 12 and 13, we are, we've taken a step back 
from the first half of tribulation and the seals being opened, the trumpets being blown, we've kind of stepped back and God has given us, he's essentially like lifting the curtain and giving us a behind the scenes here. And it starts out with, in Revelation 12, it says, a great sign appeared in heaven. There are seven great signs that are mentioned. It's mega simeon is the word for it. And there are seven great signs that are um, given. Um, The woman here, the dragon, the man-child, the angel Michael, the offspring of the woman, the beast out of the sea, and the beast out of the earth. Now, the argument, there is argument about who this woman is. So let's just read for a little bit. It says, A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains in the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven, behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems. His tail swept a third of the stars in heaven and cast them to earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, but her child was Quote, caught up to God and to his throne, and the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she's to be nourished for 1,260 days, also three and a half years. Okay, this woman, it's argued about whether she is the church, whether she is Mary, the mother of Jesus, because she is pregnant with this person that is a Messiah, that is the Messiah, or whether she is Israel. The church is the virgin bride of Christ. So if she is pregnant, she's in trouble. It cannot be the church. I don't think it's Mary, the mother of Jesus, because it literally says a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun. Okay. This is a sign. This is not a person. This is a sign. It's a symbol for something. There is also symbols that our um, women present are presented as signs or figures of something in scripture. They typically represent a religious system. The bride of Christ represents the church. That's in Revelation 19, 7 through 8. Now, the bride represents the church, but I'm not sure the full church represents the bride. There's another woman that is presents a... Um, sign or a figure or a religious system and that's Jezebel she represents false teaching that's in Revelation 2 20 and then you have the harlot that rides the beast this is the false religious system at the end times that the false prophet is over she rides the beast the harlot that rides the beast is the second beast that's riding the first beast that we're going to see in chapter 13 so This is a false religious system. So this bride, this woman, not bride, I'm sorry. This woman that is fleeing into the wilderness is Israel. She represents Israel. And the reason that we know that is from Genesis 37, 9 through 11. This is when Joseph has a dream and he dreams that his... um, that the sun and the moon and 11 stars fall down and worship him. And so you're like, okay, well, what does that even mean? How do you know that that represents Israel? Well, literally, Jacob translates it for us and says, do you really think that your mother and I and your brothers are going to worship you? 
But this is the only dream that's mentioned that Jacob holds into his heart, like he considers it carefully in his heart. There's 11 stars in Genesis 37, but when Joseph is one of the stars, he becomes one of them because of the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, Jacob is a man, but the religious system and their beliefs that the country that they represent, Israel, is a woman. She is considered the wife of God. Um, and that, if you're curious for scriptural references for that, because, you know, we use our the Bible as our own commentary, that's in Hosea. Multiple times it compares the adulterous wife of God being the adulterous, the prostitute that Hosea married. Um, and so that's a very beautiful chapter to go through when you go and consider it um, of Israel um, being the same as that woman. So, um, so the woman running is pregnant with Jesus. So this is taking you basically outside of time because it says that she was in pain and she was in agony, but the red dragon was waiting to devour it. Remember, Joseph and Mary fled. Who do you think... The red dragon, Satan, was working through. He was working through King Herod, who went and killed all of the children, two and a half, all the male children, two and a half and younger, for fear that the Son of God had been born and that it was going to threaten his reign as King Herod, which, by the way, was an Edomite. He was not even Jewish. So she's pregnant. She gives birth. And then it says that... Um, she gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with the rod of iron. Jesus is not doing that right now. He is not ruling all the nations with the rod of iron, but he will. This is in reference to something that will happen in the future. This is what Israel was looking for was this king to rule the nations with the rod of iron, which is why they missed it when Jesus came first as a servant and not a king. Okay. It says, but her child was caught up. This is the word harpazo to God in the throne. The snatching away, this rapture. He was raptured up to the throne of God. Um, and the woman fled into the wilderness. So the other sign that we're going to focus on is the dragon. The dragon literally represents Satan. And it tells us that um, in, in these scriptures right here that we're reading. It says, another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a red dragon with seven heads and ten horns. On his head, seven diadems, his tail swept out a third of the earth. So this is in reference to the fall of Satan in the beginning when he was in heaven and he left heaven because of his pride. He was cast out of heaven and one third. This is where scholars get that idea that one third of the angels went with Satan and fell. And that's why we have the fallen angels and the demons today. This is in reference to that. So if you want to go back to Ezekiel 28 or Isaiah 14, I believe, um, that's in reference to like the starting of Satan. So when the woman flees into the wilderness, this is in reference to the lat latter half of tribulation. All of this seems to be, as far as the persecution that Israel is facing, that seems to line up with the latter half of the tribulation period of the last three and a half years. Once the Antichrist dies and comes back to life, that there seems to be a, a treaty that's broken, the abomination of desolation. And that's when in Matthew, Jesus says, when the abomination of desolation happens, run, 
run take if woe to the nursing mother who has a child because she, she can't travel quickly because she's always having to stop and nurse her baby woe to that this is that's where a lot of christians are like well we're going to face that because matthew says it jesus says it so that's obviously for us no matthew wrote his gospel toward the jews this is a very jewish thing that's happening this type of persecution that comes in matthew 16 when jesus is talking about peter talking to peter on um on the pillar that he builds let's see let me just go and read that real quick so i'm not twisting anything or um misquoting anything in matthew chapter 16 jesus is talking to peter the rock of the church um and he says i tell you you are peter and on this rock i will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it well we're going to see later on that Satan is prevailing against the saints. So these are two different, something else is happening here that these, these saints are being persecuted by Satan himself, where Jesus says that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church or his bride. Um, so the woman fled into the wilderness for a place prepared by God. A lot of scholars believe that this will be Petra and a lot of Christians have been equipping the place of Petra, P-E-T-R-A, if you want to, it's a very, beautiful fascinating place that is carved out of stone it's like almost an entire city that's carved out of stone a lot of people believe that this is where israel will flee for two and a half for three and a half years so it says now a a war arose in heaven michael and his angels fighting against the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought back now notice a third of the angels are with satan but two-thirds that means two-thirds is with michael but he was defeated and there was no longer a place for them in heaven. Now, remember, Job, the book of Job and in, in 1 Kings chapter 6, there are multiple references. I think it's 1 Kings chapter 6. Anyways, there's multiple references to Satan being the accuser of the saints going into heaven, into the throne room of God. He has access to the throne room of God. So that's not uncommon. But at this place, in this time, he will be cast out of heaven. It says, and that great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who we call the devil and Satan. There you go. That Now you know who the dragon is. And the deceiver of the whole world, he was thrown down to earth and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God and the authority of Christ have come for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony for they love not their own lives unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you dwell with him. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you with a great wrath because he knows his time is short. So that's why a lot of scholars, and myself included, I believe that the bold judgments are the direct wrath of God on those who took. I think that the seven seals will be open and the seven trumpets are going to be blown. But in the last half of the three and a half years, while all of this is happening, that's when the seven bold judgments happen. Um, that's what it appears to be because the seven bold judgments are literally against those who took the mark. Well, the people who take the mark, that seems to be in the last latter half of this seven year time period. 
So when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male. So this is after the church age. This is after Christ. And the woman who was given two wings and the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for time, times, and half a times, a.k.a. three and a half years. This is the latter half of the tribulation period. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth. So it's almost like he's trying to flood her out of there, um, of the woman, but and sweep her away with a flood. But the earth came and the woman to help the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sand of the sea. All right, let's go back to slide one that talks about the woman represents Israel. The dragon represents Satan. The man child that the woman gives birth to is Jesus. The angel Michael is the head of the angelic hosts. It's not Jesus, even though some Jehovah's Witnesses and I even think some um, Seventh-day Adventists believe that um, Michael represents Jesus. Um, Jesus is God. Even though he has angelic references in the Old Testament, Satan and Jesus are not equal. Michael and Jesus are equal in that they are both angelic beings. Even when Jesus comes back in chapter 19, he sends an angel to bind up Satan in the first beast and the second beast to throw them into the pit. So the I feel like a lot of times we feel like Jesus and Satan are counterparts, and they're not. Jesus has victory over Satan. He will crush his head and Satan just bruises his heel through the um, crucifixion. Okay, the offspring of the woman. So when she flees and Satan tries to flood her out and is not able to, she, he makes war with the offspring of the woman, those who keep the commandments um, and hold to the testimony of Jesus. The offspring represents the Gentiles who come to faith in the tribulation period, also known as the tribulation saints, not the church now who are sealed now because it talks about us being sealed, right? It doesn't talk about the tribulation saints being sealed because they're past the period of grace. We are in a period of grace right now with the church age. And once that comes to a close and God's wrath pours on the earth, they no longer are under that type of grace to be sealed from that. So it appears that they will suffer the persecution of the serpent. Um, And then the last two we'll talk about with the beasts of the seas that come out. So chapter 13 talks about the first beast, um, which is the political leader. And I saw a beast rising out of the sea and with ten horns and seven heads with ten diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on its head. And the beast I saw was like a leopard and its feet were like bear and its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And to the dragon and to it, this beast, the dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority. One of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound. So some believe that this um, dragon, this, this, I'm sorry, not the dragon, the first beast will actually be a, you know, there are some that say that this has already happened, that this represents that the beast represents a system, like a governmental system, the Rome, when it collapsed. And I think that when you start making everything symbolic, it's a very slippery slope. It's very slippery. And I don't think that there's a whole lot of this. Uh, this seems to be a person. And even when you take the mark of a beast, it says that it's the number of a man. So 
I think that it's a pretty slippery slope whenever you get into everything being symbolic. So apparently he gets this mortal wound, whether it's by assassination or what, he dies because it's mortal, and but was healed. And the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast and they worshiped the dragon for he had given his authority to the beast and they worshiped the beast saying, who is like the beast and who can fight against it? I mean, if, I mean, seriously, if you think about this, if you think about someone who comes in and has this whole political sweep around the whole nation and everybody like loves him, everything that he says, everything that he does, he's a, just a genius. And then he dies and three days later, he comes back to life. Can you imagine the world seeing this? They're hungry for God, for a God. And they're probably thinking that it was God. This is, this is it. This is him. And so they are so, so deceived by that. Um, just a quick note, this beast comes from the sea. The sea represents something that is wild, untamed, and frightening to the Jews, to the Hebrews. They've always been, it's always been a figure of evil and chaos to ancient Israel. King Solomon actually had a navy, but it was a King Tyre, King of Tyre who supplies the sailor. I don't know if you know anything about King Tyre, but that's who it is addressed to as Satan, when Jesus addresses, um, or when the uh, King of Tyre is addressed in Ezekiel 28, just Ezekiel 28, I'm going off of memory, so tell, please forgive me if I'm misquoting it. When it says, oh, you fallen day star, you fallen star, you were there who, who were there in the beginning of creation. Talking about Satan, who was there from the beginning, it's addressing the King Tyre. But he's actually addressing the darkness behind the king of Tyre. And the king of Tyre is the one that supplied the sailors to King Solomon, which I think is very, very interesting. Some scholars believe that because he comes from the sea, he's going to be a Gentile political leader. I think that's neither here nor there. Um, so let's just compare real quick the beast and the dragon. The beast has 10 horns. The dragon has 10 horns. The beast has 10 heads. The dragon has 10 heads. The beast has 10 diadems. The dragon has seven diadems. We know that three of them will be fallen based on Daniel chapter seven. Um, because the little, the little horn, is it the little horn? The little horn consumes three of them like takes out three of them. So it could represent that the number seven diadem for the dragon is as a completion and that the 10 diadems on the beast represents the kingdoms that he has. Um, but so verse five, and the beast was given a mouth uttering haughty and blasphemous words. And it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. That's three and a half years. Again, for people who just don't say that it's a literal seven years, it blows my mind. They're so specific with the number here. Um, this authority means that he's been cast down to earth. So this is the last latter half of the three and a half years of the full seven years. It opened its mouth to utter blasphemous things against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. And it was also allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. Remember what I said about Matthew 16. These must be the tribulation saints. And the authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation and to all who dwell on the earth, also called earth dwellers, those who were lost. 
will worship it. Everyone whose name who has not been written before the foundations of the world in the book of the life of the Lamb who was slain. For those who have been following me for a while, you know that I talk about how there are two books of life. You've got the book of life where every single name that has ever existed is mentioned in there. And in that book, your name can be blotted out forever and ever. Then you have the book of the life of the Lamb. This is the book of Jesus. Those who have recognized Jesus as their Lord and Savior, who are sealed. And notice that this was written from the foundation of the world. So our names were written in the book of the life of the Lamb before the foundations of the world. Can you imagine? And so he, we are here on earth for this time period specifically because he wanted us here. He wanted us to be the parents of our children. He wanted us to be here during this present time period, I believe, for a certain purpose and for a certain thing that he needed us to do. What an honor, you know, just to just to sit back and dwell on that would just be is just amazing. Verse nine, if anyone who has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to be taken captive to captivity, he goes. If anyone is to be slain with the sword, with the sword, he must be slain. Here is a call for endurance and faith of the saints. All right. The first beast, there's multiple mentions of him. He's called the little horn. He is called the king of fierce countenance. He's called the prince that shall come. He's called the willful king. He's called the one who comes in his own name, whom Israel will receive as a Messiah. He is called the son of perdition, the man of sin, the lawless one. <sighs> um, Judas was also called the son of perdition. Did you know that Judas was also possessed by Satan himself. I did not know that. I learned that this week. It talks about when Jesus is talking to Judas and he says, go do what you have to do. After that, Judas left and he was possessed by Satan. I never, I don't know why I never caught that. You know, it's so crazy how you never catch these, these little things. You just skim over like you never saw it. Judas is one that was possessed by Satan. And this first beast is also one that will be possessed by Satan. I have a feeling these aren't the only two people who were ever possessed by Satan himself. I have a feeling Adolf Hitler was probably one of those people. I believe that Satan has in every generation possessed someone to do his bidding and to do what he needed them to do. Now, so that you don't get confused, going back a slide, the dragon has four falls. You've got the four falls of Satan. You have where he was glorified to profane, where he was an angel of God. He was a cherub. He was at the throne. It's believed that he was possibly the like one of the leaders of the worship because he has music in him. The way that it's translated is that he had like pipes and flutes or something like that in him. So that was like his gifting, which is so strange to me because isn't it music is one of those things that people just, it makes them feel good. It's all about feelings. And it's so, it's so interesting how music was his thing in heaven and how I believe that he's using the music industry now to draw people to him. So he goes from glorified to profaned. Then he goes from profaned on the earth where he can still go back and forth to heaven and to the throne room of God. Then he's restricted to the earth and he no longer has access to heaven. This is in the latter half of the three and a half years of tribulation where he possesses the first beast himself. Then you have after that, once Jesus comes back in Revelation 19, he has the freedom on the earth 
to bondage in a bottomless pit for 1,000 years. Another reason why I can't believe that people believe in amillennialism and that believe that we are in the millennial period now after 70 AD because he, Satan, is bound for a 1,000 years. We will talk about this when we get to chapter 20, but if he's bound and this is it, this is the earth, this is the earth that's no longer cursed, Satan's leash is a little bit too long, if you know what I'm saying. I, I think it's very obvious that he is here and he is present on this earth. There's no doubt in my mind that we are not in the millennial period yet. I don't think it's figurative. Sorry, if you do, we can still be friends though. Um, and then after that, another fall that he has is that he's unleashed at the end of the thousand years and he goes and deceives the nations again. And then we have the great white throne judgment where Satan is thrown from the pit to the lake of fire for eternal damnation. Um, so these are the four falls of Satan. And so right now we are seeing the fall number two where he is restricted to the earth. That's what we're studying right now. Right now he's going back and forth at the throne room of God and accusing the saints. But in this time period, at the latter half of the tribulation period, he's going to be restricted to earth. Okay, so we've got the first beast. Um Moving on to the second beast, we've got the second beast. This is, to give you a background, this beast is a little bit different. It's another like the first beast, but he's a little bit different because he comes from the land. Some scholars say that the land represents Israel itself and that this will be a Jewish false prophet. This second beast is the religious system. The first beast represented the political system. The second beast represents a religious system. Ultimately, we know that they are different in origin and rank and appearance. And the authority from the first beast is given to the second beast. He's called the false prophet in Revelation 16, 3, 19, 20, and 2010. The eyes deceive. So um, we're going to talk about that, how people see what he does and they're deceived by it. And But Jesus never says, like, he who has an eye see doesn't say that. It's very interesting that uh, with the Illuminati and with the Freemasonry, they call it the all-seeing eye. They cover up one eye. Isn't that interesting that they cover up one eye and that's what Satan uses as the eye to deceive. But Jesus never says, let he who has an eye see. He says, let he who has an ear hear. One of my good friends, Ronald Fanter, he has this um, quote that I saw that I just thought was so good. He says, the false prophet will be accompanied by worldwide supernatural apparitions, likely calling for world unity and tearing down faith that was put in Christ alone. Thank you, Ron, for that. I appreciate that. Um, you have with the abomination of desolation, he gives the image breath and it can speak. What does that look like? We're going to look at that in a little bit, but I have no idea. Is it going to be supernatural, technological, holographical? I don't know. He's also referred to as a harlot that rides the beast in Revelation 17. She presides over many nations. She has a universal international character. She is a unification of a false, idolatrous, demonic, Satanist religion that dominates the entire world during this time period. Okay, let's look at him. So I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb and it spoke like a dragon. Now this is interesting because the other dragon had 10 horns. You know what? I completely skipped over Daniel. Let's flip to Daniel real quick with the first beast before we get into the second beast, because I think this really gives you insight into what it's going to look like. Daniel chapter seven, hang with me here. 
the king of Babylon, Belshazzar, is given a, um, a dream. Or no, I'm sorry, this is the time of the king of Babylon. Daniel is given a dream. It says that he wrote down the dream. It says, I saw my vision at night. Behold, four winds of the heaven were stirring the great sea. So this appears to be after the angels are told not to, to hold back the four winds of the earth so that the people can be sealed. There seems to be, this seems to be a similar reference. Do you see that? Um, so once that the angels are no longer holding back that wind, the four winds of the heavens were stirring up the great sea and a four great beasts come out of the sea different from one another. The first was like a lion. Remember that's mentioned in um, Revelation 13 and the, um, and it had eagle's wings. And then it, I looked at its wings and they were plucked off. Notice that means that he can no longer go back up into heaven. He's that he is sent down to earth where he has to stay. So these wings of this lion was plucked off and it lifted up from the ground and, and made to stand on two feet like a man. And the mind of a man was given to it. This likely represents the possession that happens when Satan is no longer able to go back up into heaven. His wings have been plucked off and he has to be, he takes possession of a man on this earth and given the mind of a man and behold another beast a second one like a bear it was raised up on one side it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth and it was told arise devour much flesh after this i looked and behold another one like a leopard it had four wings of a bird on its back and the beast had four heads but his the wings the purpose of his wings weren't to fly back and forth to heaven was it it's to go around on the earth dominion over the earth was given to it. After this, I saw the night visions and behold a fourth beast. Now this fourth beast is different. The first one was like a, a lion. The second one was like a bear. The third one's like a leopard. This one is so terrifying. Daniel doesn't even have words to describe what this beast is like. All four of these represent the beast, the big beast, the first beast of the earth. Okay. After this, I saw um, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. It had great iron teeth and it devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. So that means there's going to be a lot of death that happens before he has dominion over the earth and he's going to trample over what's left. It was different from all the beasts that had that it was before and it had 10 horns. Remember, there are 10 diadems given to this first beast. Um, make sure I go back to my slide. Yep. 10 diadems was given to this beast. So this one has 10 horns and I considered the horns. So Daniel sitting here, like looking at this, interpreting it, I'm considering the horns probably represents kingdoms that it had on its head. And behold, there came up among them another horn and a little one. And before which three of the first horns were plucked by the roots and behold, this horn were, eye, were like the eyes of a man. And the mouth was speaking great things, probably blasphemous things. So interesting now when you think about the eye, how that's one of the symbols and the signs of the Illuminati and of the Freemasonry is this eye, that this is something that's repeated of evil, repeatedly used of evil. It's almost like this is something that you have the eye of Ra that was in the Old Testament that the, was part of the idolatry that they used to worship. This eye has been around for a long time. Satan doesn't do anything new. He just reintroduces it in a different way. So these are the four things that were mentioned here. Now move on into verses 15. So as for me, Daniel, my spirit within me was anxious and the visions in my head alarmed me. I approached the one who stood there and asked him the truth concerning this. He's talking to an angel, whether it's a pre-incarnate Jesus, whether it's an angel, we don't know. 
Um, so he told me and made things known to me, the interpretations of these things. He says, these four great beasts are four kings who shall rise out of the earth, whether these represent kingdoms, political system, people, that's to be determined. I think that this is going to be something that we all watch from the mezzanine and are like, wow, God. And the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever and ever. Remember, we just talked about that. That was in um, chapter 12. Then I desire to know the truth about the fourth beast. This one seems to be the scariest of them all, representing the, the fourth beast, representing the first beast in chapter 13, which was different from all the beasts, exceedingly terrifying. It's teeth of iron and claws of bronze which devoured and broke into pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. And about 10 horns were on its head. He's repeating himself. The other horn came out before which three of them fell and the horn had eyes. This, some people say that some scholars think that this means that three, there is like a unity, an accord of 10 kingdoms on the earth, 10 countries that come together. And, um, that three of them try to turn against the beast because they, they realize what he's doing and they try to go to war with him and he devours them. He consumes them. He beats them. Um, I don't know if that's how it's going to happen, but that's what some people think that could happen. And the horn that had eyes and a mouth that spoke great things that seemed to be greater than its companions. And I looked and this great doesn't always mean good. Remember, and I looked and this horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them again. A tie into what we just read until the ancient of days came and judgment was given to the saints. And at the very end of this, um, it talks about, let's see in chapter in verse 24, it talks about as for the 10 horns out of this kingdom, 10 Kings shall rise and another shall rise after them. And he shall be different from the former ones. And he shall put down three Kings when they're coming together with this new world order. There are 10 countries right now who are in with this new world order. Start looking into the new world order. Start looking into the um, forum that is involved with this. It's very interesting that there are 10, co 10 countries in accord with this right now. I haven't looked at it lately, so I don't know if anybody's backed out or if there's new ones in. But I find it very interesting that we're starting to see this number 10 prevalent in the name of unity, coming together, bringing together all the nations. Um, and then at the end of this... In verse 28, he says, here is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly alarmed me and my color changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. Very similar to what Jacob did. Okay. So then that's the first beast. Terrifying. I know. Hold on to your pants because we're going to the second beast. Okay. Then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb. Now this is different. This is, this is representing an innocence. You know, religion is supposed to be faith and it's supposed to be this feel good. It's supposed to be this innocence, right? That's what this beast is going to represent. Two horns like a lamb and it spoke like a dragon. It exercises all authority that the first beast had in its presence, and it makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. So this appears to be after the first three and a half years before they make themselves known. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people. And the signs that it was allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on the earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that it was wounded by the sword and yet lived. These signs that they're doing are the exact same signs that the two witnesses did. And nobody, the people of the earth did not believe the two witnesses. But now all of a sudden they're believing the second beast. 
Then it says that it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast. So they're creating this image and it's allowed to give breath to the beast. And so the image of the beast might even speak and cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. I, y'all, I have tried to wrap my mind around this. I cannot, I don't have an explanation. I don't know what this is going to look like. Is it going to be like a statue? And this statue is all seeing. Someone, uh, Margaret, in our um, Wednesday night study had a great explanation about possibly a hologram up in the sky. Um, they're, they're already doing um, all kinds of testing with this type of this type of thing this type of hologram up in the sky um so that would be a really interesting concept you know chuck missler once said that the bible is like a hologram and that you the the hologram cannot be seen has all these different lights coming at it at different angles but you need one laser in order to illuminate the hologram so that you can see it and so that it's not only three-dimensional, but it's four-dimensional. It's got all these different dimensions that you can see. That's how the Bible is. People who read the Bible and look at it very superficially, they're not looking at it with that laser that they need and that laser being that light, being the Holy Spirit to illuminate God's Word and make it almost like a hologram so that it's got depth and width and height and and just all these different layers to it. It's almost like an onion. It's just a really cool concept. So I thought that was a really neat concept. Otherwise, I really, I really don't have an explanation, but regardless of what this might look like, this image of the beast, we know that those who don't worship it are slain. And it says, and it also caused all both small and great and rich and poor and free and slave to be marked. It caused these people to be marked on the right hand and on the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark that is the name of the beast in its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for its number is the number of a man, and his number is 666. So this is very interesting because the correlation of worshiping the beast has to do with the mark because it talks about the beast that's erected. Um, It says, it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the beast to be slain. And it causes all to be marked on the right hand or on the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless that has the name of the beast or the number. So isn't that interesting? There's a correlation between the um, image that's being erected that they worship and the mark of the beast. Now, This has to do with a lot to do with, let's look at the, let's look at the Greek word mark. Okay. It's far, farmaga. It's used eight times in the entire Bible, seven times, ironically, I know, shocker in Revelation. It literally means a stamp or an imprinted mark, a mark branded upon horses of, or a carving in idolatrous image. The root word for mark, the charagma, is charax, which means to sharpen to a point, the idea of scratching. So that's really, really interesting um, that that's, it's, it's, 
describing something very physical. A lot of people say that the mark of the beast is a spiritual thing or it's a figurative thing or it's symbolic. It's not an actual mark. Well, perhaps, but in the Greek, it's an actual mark. And every time it's used, it's describing something that's very physical, that's, that's let someone know that they are tied into the beast system and let someone know that they are taking the name of this beast. Now notice it's not their own personal name, their personal identification number, like we always imagine with the barcodes, although I feel like the barcodes, chips, all that kind of stuff is possibly setting us up for this. But it ties us, it ties them into the system of the beast and it ta- it identifies them with the beast and it identifies them with the worship of this beast. So this is a little bit different than some of the things that you're hearing today. So it was regarding the vaccine. Is this vaccine, this COVID vaccine, the mark of the beast? I don't, it doesn't fit here to me. It is interesting that the bold judgments that come on those that we're going to cover next, next week, the bold judgments that come on those who take the mark of the beast, ironically sound like vaccine reactions. However, nothing else seems to fit regarding this vaccine. Um, now, I'm not saying that it's okay to get the vaccine because I personally don't think it is. I don't think it's wise the way that it compromises your immune system, the way that it changes it, writes a code to change and compromise your RNA. To me personally, I don't think it's wise to get it, but it doesn't seem to fit here as far as being the mark of the beast. Remember, it's his number and his name, not our own, identifying and alleging yourself with him or with his system. Now, the number 666, this is the number of man. Number six, one deficient of completion. Number seven, both the Greek and the Hebrew languages are unique in that each letter holds a numerical value. And so you, it's called gematria. And so a lot of people throughout history have been using, you know, Adolf Hitler's name. If you take his name and you do the letters and you add up the letters and the numbers to it and what the way Chuck Mitzer puts it is if you manipulate the data long enough, it's going to give you exactly what you want. So people have tied this 666 number into multiple people throughout history. And it could be, it could be ironic. It could be coincidence. Um, our English language was not meant to have the gametria. It just wasn't, but the Greek and the Hebrew language was. So the The way the 666 is written out in the Greek is that you have 660 and 6. The the number 600 looks almost like two swords put together in an X shape. You've got the number 60 that's shaped like a um, a snake. And then you've got the number 6. That's just this little hex at the end of it. If you take the first 600 and the last 6, it makes the name Christos. That's where we get our Messiah, Christ. But if you add the serpent in the middle, the 60, and get 666, it gives you pseudo-Christ, antichrist. Very, very interesting. Another interesting concept is that, you know, the Greek, not the Greek, I'm sorry, the Hebrew and the, um, and the Greek, actually, I can't remember, is this Greek? Yeah, the Greek and the Arabic they all read from right to left, where we read 
left to right, they read from right to left. And if you look at the original manuscripts, I have that on slide seven. If you look at the original manuscripts, you've got the original Greek in the back, but it also looks like Arabic. And then if you look at it in Arabic, that has the name, the greatest name, Allah. That's literally what it means, the name of Allah. And so if you, okay, so if you start reading this in the Arabic, the way it translates, instead of, um, here is wisdom, let he that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of man, and his number is 603 score and six. That's in the King James Version. But if you read it in Arabic, it says, here is wisdom, let he who has understanding decide who the multitude of the beast is, for it is a multitude of a man that is Muhammad, and his multitude are in the name of Allah. I think that that's a very interesting concept um, because when the um, Arabic people go into battle, they write this name of Allah. They have it up on their forehead and they also have it on their forearm. Um, this concept of the forehead and the forearm comes from Zechariah. Um, I think I had that in our, our, our lesson for last week that the idle shepherd, it talks about the idle shepherd in Zechariah and how he has a darkened eye and he has a withered hand. Now, there has something to do with the eye and the hand. That's why a lot of people say that this mortal wound, this assassination that comes upon him is something where it's a head wound. And that people will possibly tie themselves into because he had a head wound and then he survived. And then people are going to get a tattoo around above their forehead and his arm is withered. Somehow that was injured in the process. And so his arm is withered and therefore that's going to be the mark of the beast. They're going to get a tattoo to signify that. I think that's a really far stretch for the entire world to be like, I'm going to get a tattoo. And I don't know. To me, that just is a little bit of a far stretch. What's interesting in this rabbit trail, I've followed down, fallen, fallen down with the Freemasons and the Freemasonry. They're all, first off, they're all about secrecy. There's a lot of secrecy that happens within this Freemasonry and um, a lot of demonic things that are happening behind the scenes. If you go and you read the original, like the, the scripts for the Freemasonry, um, talking about making oaths to this man, talking about this higher being that's not revealed really until you're the 33rd Mason. Um, and some people, I think some Masons truly have no idea what's behind going on behind there, but there's these signs. They're all about hand signals. They're all about signs and symbols. And one of the things that they do is they hold, and you'll see a lot of celebrities do this, they hold, it's almost like, you know, if you're doing the okay, where you put your index finger and your thumb together and you've got like the okay, the three fingers on the outside, and then your index and your thumb are together. They put that over the eye and they call it the all seeing eye where that one eye is darkened and the other eye is open. And if you look at your hand and you put yourself in that okay, um, sign, you've got three sixes. The middle finger makes a six, the ring finger goes into the thumb and the index finger to make a six and the pinky finger goes into the thumb and makes a six. And so it's interesting that people can darken their eyes. So I'm wondering if there's a possible, if there's a possibility that that's one of the false religions that rises up in the end time. If all people have to do is do this signal to represent that they are 
aligning themselves with this beast that all they have to do is put the signal up to cover their eye and on their hand just to make this 666 number. I thought that that was a really, I was like, how easy would that be? If you want to buy or sell something, just put your hand up over your eye like that and do an okay sign over your eye. So that way we know who you're aligning yourself with. I mean, that would be so easy. It wouldn't have to be any kind of vaccine. It wouldn't have to be any kind of um, tattoo or anything. And I think a lot of people would be like, oh, it's no big deal. Like we're just tying ourselves in. Remember like with Hitler, Hitler was a Freemason. And with Hitler, they held out their arms straight ahead to the hail Hitler sign. It was very easy for the military to do that. People did that all down the road. Anytime they saw him, they would hold up that sign. It's very easy for people to want to support that. And one of the things that Hitler talks about when taking over is that he banks on people being stupid. And that's one of the things that we just need to always keep our eyes open and our ears open to God and just to have our, be aware of these types of signs um, that we're seeing. So I'll let you go down that rabbit trail on your own. That's pretty much all I have for you this week. Um, We are going to split up next week because I originally had in our lesson that we were going to cover chapters 14 through 18. And that's a lot. That's a lot because chapter 17 and 18 are all about the harlot that rides the beast, which I think will be very, very telling as we go down this track. That's this track of trying to figure out what this false religion is in the end times. Um, and then chapter 18 is about the fall of Babylon, this political system. So not only does the harlot that rides the beast, the religious system fall, but also the political system. So that's a big week. That's chapter 17 and 18. So I'm going to save that for the next week. So next week, we're going to cover chapter 14 through 16. This is going to cover um, the lamb, the 144,000, the harvest of the earth. We're still kind of like in this in-between parentheses time outside of the timeline. you got the seven angels and the seven plagues, this, this warning of what's to come. And then you've got these seven bowls of God's wrath that is poured upon the entire earth. Now, I want you to think about this. This timeline, is this happening? Did the seals happen and then the trumpets happen? And then is this like the last half, this last, do these bowls happen in the last three and a half years of the tribulation? Did it, does it happen in the beginning of the tribulation? It seems to me that this is only affecting those who took the mark of the beast. So it sounds like it's probably going to be happening in the latter half of the seven year period. Whereas the first, the seals and the trumpets sound like it's almost like half of those are in the first half. And then the latter half of those are really focused on the people and damnation of these people trying to wake them up. And yet they still cannot repent of their ways. So they're spread out amongst the whole time. And then the very last bowl judgment seems to be aligning up with the seventh trumpet and the sixth seal, which would make sense if that's the case for the seventh seal to be a moment of silence, 30 minutes in heaven and all. By the way, um, I had heard a scholar that said um, when the seventh seal was open, there's silence in heaven for about half an hour. He said, this is just proof that women are not in heaven. Because there's no way that they could be quiet for a half an hour, which is <laughs> hilarious. Probably true, but you know, we will be there in the mezzanine. So anyways, I thank y'all for putting up with this long podcast and for putting up with me and all my crazy thoughts. And I just hope that this just makes you really start thinking about things that are happening in the world, signs and shadows of what's to come.
Contend for the faith, brothers and sisters. We're so close. Love you guys so much. Bye.